Well, greetings, friends. I hope that this message finds you and your family doing well. Um, it is the weekend. It is the Sunday of Palm Sunday. You know, and over the last several weeks, we've been looking at Jesus as the three offices that he occupies of prophet, priest, and king. And then last week, we specifically said that that there's never been a plan B, that Jesus has always been plan A. And we looked at uh, Genesis 1. We looked at the very beginning, the word that God created with his word. And that in John 1, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, into our neighborhood. And so here we are today on this Palm Sunday, and um, we're going to be looking at uh, a couple of scriptures, but we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Here as I read Matthew 21, 1 through 11, from the NIV. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, we are used to seeing Palm Sunday as a, as a day of great celebration, and, and indeed it was and, and is. But not for the reasons we usually think. We associate the day with Jesus being king and riding into Jerusalem as a king and with children waving palm branches in his honor. And the gospel story, in fact, tells a slightly different tale. It tells a story of great expectations on Hosanna's on Sunday and the acclamation, crucify him on Friday. And perhaps in some cases, by the very same people. It's a sobering reminder about what happens to a group of very religious people when you raise their expectations of major triumph to the roof at the beginning of a week and by the end of the week dash these, those hopes so that even the inner circle of disciples has denied, deserted, or betrayed Jesus by late Thursday. And as for the crowds, they had, they had turned ugly. Jesus was handed over to the Roman authorities for execution by crucifixion. What accounts for this incredible turn of events all in one work week? 
or whatever it is, we need to realize from the outset that Jesus did not come to meet our expectations or those of his fellow early Jews. He came, rather, to meet our needs. He did not come to slay our foes and lift us high. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for sin. For at the root, the real heart of the human dilemma, it's not our political problems, it's not our divides, it's, it's not all the, the stresses and, and problems and, and, and health and anxiety that are coming from COVID-19, but it's actually our sin, our sin sickness. And as Jesus says in Mark 7, from out of the heart comes war, adultery, murder, slander, and all manner of human misbehavior. The problem then and now is not chiefly how well the the borders of land are protected from those people and illnesses intent on doing us harm. The problem is the unprotected borders of the human heart. And I think as we delve in a little bit to Matthew 21, some background will help us understand a little more clearly. First of all, it's notable that this is the only time in all the Gospels that Jesus elevates himself above the crowd. But instead of doing so by mounting a war horse, he gets on a donkey and rides into town, indicating, among other things, that he comes in peace and not with sword in hand. Matthew quotes from Zechariah 9. Listen to to what the text says more fully. It says, Rejoice, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem, for your king comes to you triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey. And then the next verse, kind of the kicker, he, he will cut off the war chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall command peace, shalom, to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus comes quite self-consciously as the Prince of Peace, not the Lord of War. But here's the irony. The crowds don't get it. Take, for example, the, the waving of the palm branches. This had a specific symbolic meaning. It was used to celebrate the Maccabean victory less than two centuries before. When the Jewish Maccabees military conquered and retook Jerusalem from pagan overlords. It was what the crowds hoped for when they saw Jesus riding into town on a donkey which reminded them of King David or or King Solomon in their ceremonial writings into Zion. Except that they didn't pay attention to the kind of animal Jesus was riding, nor apparently did they share Matthew's interpretation of the event in light of Zechariah chapter 9. Estimates show that at Passover, Jerusalem went from being a town of about 50,000 to a town of 500,000. And and if you want to make existing authorities, including both Jewish and Roman ones, nervous, then ride into town making some sort of royal gesture. Go to the religious center of the city, namely the temple, and, and, and make pronouncements and symbolic actions indicating its coming demise. It seems clear that Jesus even raised the hopes and expectations of his own disciples. And he was coming to town as this new sheriff could kind of take over. And then, when everything took a very different turn by Thursday night, the the disillusionment had become profound. 
I love the, the Emmaus road story in Luke 24, which tells of two relatively unknown disciples leaving town who ironically say to the risen Jesus, whom they don't recognize, we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. But crucifixion had, had squashed that rumor altogether. No one was looking for a crucified Messiah in Jesus' day. That was an oxymoron. The truth is Jesus didn't come to be that kind of king, the kind of king that would run out the Romans, get them out of town. He came to die on a cross, even for the sins of the enemies of Israel. Still to, to this day, we have a, a very difficult time understanding this. Still to this day, we tend to think, I tend to think, we tend to think that, that muscle and might are probably the best solutions to our problems. But the last week of Jesus' life tells us this isn't so. You see, there's, there is a battle raging in our nation all over the world right now. And no amount of military might, physical strength, if you will, can, can compensate for loss, salve wounds, and solve such problems. We all are in need of a revival of the heart. We are all in need of embracing and all that wars against us, seen and unseen, the Prince of Peace. Here's another interesting irony in the Palm Sunday story. The, 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 the pilgrims coming to town when Jesus were singing the so-called Hillel Psalms, the Let's Go Up to Zion songs, rather like the old, uh, the old Baptist hymns I, I used to sing when at church in Rock Hill. And now the Hillel Psalms are, are full of hosannas, which means God saves, and hallelujahs, which means praise Yahweh. They, they're ancient praise songs, and they would sing this whether Jesus was coming into town with them or not. The line, blessed is he who comes to Jerusalem in the name of the Lord, was what the pilgrims sang about unto each other as they, as they went up to Zion. But here it takes on special poignancy because this time, their king really has come to town. He's moved into the neighborhood. This time, the ultimate son of David really had arrived, and the vast majority of them didn't even know it. Or if they did, they had a very different vision of what sort of king he should be than what Jesus had. There's a little poem of, of George MacDonald. It's actually a, a Christmas poem. And the first stanza goes like this. We were all searching for a king to, to slay our foes and, and life us high. Thou camest a, a little baby thing to make a woman cry. You see, MacDonald understood that Jesus, from, from womb to tomb, from birth to death, did not come to meet our expectations of what a king should be like. He came to meet our deepest needs, our need for salvation. 
If we want to understand why the original disciples deserted, denied, and betrayed Jesus, well, well, some of them no doubt had the hopes of the zealots, hopes that Jesus, especially after cleansing the temple, would then kick the Romans out of town and begin to rule. The irony is that Jesus, during this very week, predicted that in 40 years, Jews who tried to establish God's kingdom that way would be destroyed. Indeed, the temple and the town of Jerusalem would be destroyed by Roman overlords. And Jesus was exactly right, of course. In A.D. 70, exactly 40 years after Jesus' death, Jerusalem was torched and became a pagan city of Alia Capitolina. After the second lesser Jewish revolt in the second century A.D., which was also squashed by the Romans, no, no Jewish person was allowed anywhere near the temple remains until 1967. Jesus told us there was no man-made solution to the problem of God's people. Jesus tells us there will be no man-made solution to the problems of God's people. Will I believe him? You see, Jesus bitterly disappointed both the hopeful crowd of pilgrims and his own disciples during Holy Week. And when you dash people's highest hopes that severely, it is not a surprise that you end up on a cross by the end of the week. Today, when we remember the loud hosannas and sing with joy about our coming of our true king, the Prince of Peace, will we remember his words when he said, if anyone would come after me, let them take up their cross and follow me all the way to Golgotha. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and that he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went indeed as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amen and amen. And until we get together again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand.